Good morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop. I am the administrative pastor here at Church in the Valley, and I'm glad that you all are here uh, this morning. Happy Father's Day, uh, like Brad said. Um, being a dad, it's it's a great joy for me um, to be a dad, but it also has its its challenges. Uh, one of those challenges for me um, is bedtime. Another challenge right now is listening to the music in the background. So hopefully we'll. Hey, there we go. Still there a little bit, but um, we'll keep on going like we don't hear it. Um, so bedtime, bedtime is a challenge uh, for me as as a dad. My kids are seven, five, four, and nine months, and so that's a lot of people to get to bed um, at at nighttime. And one of the things that we've done at bedtime is we we've, we've had to get into a, a routine, and so. We're getting into a, a bedtime routine, so um, the kids, they brush their teeth, go to the restroom, then we pray, we sing, and then we, we tell a bedtime story. And Gina and I, my wife Gina and I, we have both come up with ongoing storylines. Uh, mine is the Jungle Kids, and it's about four kids who go on adventures. Gina's is Fizzy the Lizard, and she goes on adventures as well. And the kids really um, enjoy hearing these stories. Most of the time, the stories, they're just fun, just something fun to tell the kids at the end of the day. But sometimes we try to teach a little lesson with the stories. So if the kids are having a, a tough time being kind to each other that day, then um, my wife, a few, a few months ago, she told a story about Fizzy. So Fizzy was uh, struggling being kind to her friends, and so it was a way for us to communicate to the kids that it's important to be kind. The truth is that stories can resonate with us more than just stating the facts. They can resonate with us. Over the, the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at stories that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, told. We find these stories in the four biographies of Jesus' life um, found in the Bible. And we call these stories parables. So that's the the title of this message series is parables. This word parable, it comes from a Greek word, um, which is uh, Greek was the original language that the um, Bible, the New Testament portion of the Bible was written in. And this word parable, what it denotes is a placing beside. Um, In the Bible, a parable is uh, defined like this, using a natural object or human circumstance to convey a spiritual or moral subject. It's a narrative of a fictitious or real event in order to illustrate more clearly some truth that the speaker is trying to communicate to the audience. Parables aren't as straightforward as our bedtime stories are with our kids. If we're talking about kindness, then our story would be about kindness. They can be confusing sometimes when we read parables. And the confusing nature of them can cause us to question, why did Jesus even use these stories in the first place to communicate um, with his followers at the time? One of the reasons that he used it is that parables, they they were just commonly used in the time that he lived. People used them um, both in religious and secular settings. It was just a common way to communicate different points. And then uh, here's three other reasons 
um, that parables were used. I'm sure there's more, but here's three reasons that we see parables used um, in the Bible. One is to convey truth in a more interesting manner to the mind. So instead of just stating the facts, it's a little more interesting to tell a story about it, make you think a little more. Another is to teach a spiritual truth so as to arrest the attention of people who don't already believe the truth, making an appeal to them through the senses. So a way to make the truth uh, more attractive to people who might not already believe it. And then another is to convey offensive truth, some pointed or personal rebuke. That's another way we see um, parables used in the Bible. So throughout this message series, we're going to be taking a look at different parables um, to see the truths that we can learn and apply to our life um, today. The first parable we're going to look at is the friend at night. So let's take a look at what Jesus says in Luke eleven five through 8. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So it's hard to understand what Jesus is saying here um, through that story. Is he talking about a friend needing to to give um, to his other friend? Is, is it about giving? Or, or what is going on here? And as you, we look at parables, it's important to look at the context that the parable falls in. And that can really help us. A typical pattern when we find the, the parables is that a follower of Jesus or somebody, um, <clears throat> or somebody that uh, was in a crowd that he was speaking to would ask, ask a question and then he would answer them with the parable. So let's take a look at the question that Jesus was answered before this. Luke 11, 1 says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So the question here is, Lord, teach us to pray. Still doesn't bring a lot of clarity to that parable that we just read, but the question is, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's a question that I... I've had, sometimes still have, um, and I'm sure a lot of you have had as well, is, is how do we pray? How do we talk to God? How should, how should we talk to God? I mean, I might know how I talk to God, but is it the right way to talk to God? And Jesus teaches his followers to pray in this way. He starts out by being very straightforward in teaching us to pray, and he gives us a model to pray. In Luke 11, 2 through 4, we see this. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. This gives us a model or a structure for our prayers. It's easy to look at this passage and you see, well, they asked him how to pray and he told him how to pray. And we think, okay, that's how I need to pray every single time. That's the model. I've got it. I've got it figured out. That's how I can pray. But the wording that's used here isn't what 
we need to pray every single time. It's not about the wording. It's about the different components that, that Jesus gives us here. And we can see this because in another part of the Bible, one of Jesus' other bi- biographies in Matthew, we get a, a little different wording in the answer that Jesus gives when asked how to pray. Matthew 6, 9 through 13 says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So there, Jesus is asked the same question, gives the same response, but it's a little different wording. So let's take a look at these side by side. Uh, Luke 2, or Luke 11, 2 through 4, he says, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. And then this says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Similar concept, same type of thing, but different wording. And it says, Your kingdom come, in Luke 11, Matthew 6, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You can keep going down the line, and it's the same type of components to the prayer, but different wording. So that's how we know that that Jesus is giving us components, categories to pray in, not exact words that we should use in our prayers. This shows us that that this model, it's important for us to understand as we pray But we don't have to just memorize the words and go through the motions when we pray. We want to pray in line with the different components that is going on. So let's take a look at those different components that we see. First is, Father, hallowed be your name. Here we see that that Father, it's showing us here how to address God uh, when we pray. We are to call him Father. He is the creator and the great parent of all, and we need to give him the respect because of that. Just like we address a teacher at school, Mr., Mrs., Miss, we give him a certain amount of respect. I I was seeing my fourth grade teacher regularly, and at 32 years old, I still had a hard time calling her by her first name. I still wanted to use uh, the Mrs. Uh, title uh, for her, but go, going with Father, we're giving God the proper respect. And then, hallowed be Your name. The word hallowed means to render or pronounce holy. That's what that means right there. So this is pronouncing God as holy, perfect. Never, He's never done anything wrong. He's blameless. That's what is being talked about here. This again, we're acknowledging God as Father, Creator. And that, by acknowledging that, that puts us in our place. So your kingdom come is the next uh, component uh, in the, the Lord's Prayer that we're looking at there. So this is saying that we want God to reign throughout the earth. We want people to hear the gospel of Jesus, hear about uh, Jesus coming down on earth, living a perfect life, and dying on the cross for our sins. And when we play this, we pray this, this aligns us with God's plan, with his will for our life. Another component, give us each day our daily bread. The word bread here, what, what that's talking about and what 
it's referring to is everything that we need to sustain us. When we pray this, we're um, really acknowledging our dependence on God, that we need him to help us to, to provide for us. And then uh, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. That's another important component. Here we see the importance of having clear relationships with others and with God. We forgive others and ask God to forgive us. This acknowledges that God is the one who first forgave us for what we've done wrong. And we need to, in turn, forgive others for what they've done to us. And then lead us, and lead us not into into temptation. This is asking God to not permit us to be... to. Put, be put into a tempting situation um, so that we can choose to, to follow God. Here we acknowledge that, that we have weakness. We have a propensity to, to turn and, and do life our own way. And so this model prayer, what it does is it helps show us what to pray. When to, and when um, we pray this prayer, we're praying in line with God's will. We, Jesus is showing us how to pray in line with God's will. We're actively asking for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done in our lives when we pray these components of the prayer that that we have. This, for me, this just begs me to ask the question, is, is there a part of this prayer that you don't pray to God very often? I know for me, I have my go-tos when it comes to, to prayer. And something that I don't spend enough time praying is hallowed be your name. Just stopping and praying to God, acknowledging who he is, praying back his character, that he's perfect, that he's holy, that he's he's blameless, that he's a, a healer, he's all-knowing. I, I just don't spend enough time praying that to, to God. How about you? Is there something that, that as we've gone through those components that you think, you know, I need to spend some more time praying that to God? Now, this is all really helpful in answering the question, Lord, teach us to pray. But how does the friend at night fit into this? Doesn't it, It's still hard to, to bring it all together. But the friend at night parable comes right after this model prayer. Let's take a look at it again and see what we can pull out of it. Luke 11, 5 through 8. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever needs. This parable is Jesus giving us a picture of prayer. We are the man knocking at the door at midnight. We knock at inconvenient times. Sometimes it feels like God isn't going to answer our prayer, or he's definitely not going to answer it the way that we want. So we we might stop knocking. But here is Jesus telling us a story, and he's encouraging us to be impudent. Impudent is bold. It's a boldness 
Another translation of the, the Bible says importunate, which is, that means somebody who's overly persistent in request. Now, here, here's a little caution about the parable. You don't, you can't go too far when you're looking into these stories and make, make God the, the man inside the house. Because God is not going to be inside the house and, and saying, don't bother me. Get, get away. We, we can't go that too far in, in saying that God is the man inside the house. So that's a caution, a caution here. But the point of this parable and what Jesus is saying is, it is right to persevere in prayer. It's right for us to do that. He's encouraging us to keep on praying, keep on knocking at the door. Many times God responds after a long time of persistent prayer. Now this is encouraging to me. Because there's several things that, that I've been praying for years to happen. And through this parable, Jesus is encouraging me, keep on praying those things. Keep praying for them. I had back surgery 15 years ago. And when I had back surgery, one of the things that the surgeon said was that I'm probably going to need another one in 5 to 10 years. And it's been 15 years. I haven't had to have another back surgery. And I'm praying that I don't have to have another back surgery. I don't know how God's going to answer that prayer, but I'm going to keep praying that. And if the last six months are any indication, it looks like I'm going to need another back surgery. But I'm going to still keep on praying that. And Jesus is encouraging me here. To keep praying for that. I have friends that I've been praying to come to know Christ for over 15 years. That seems to be in line with God's will and, and what he wants to have done throughout the world. But I, they don't seem any closer to Christ now than they did when I started praying for them. But I'm encouraged to keep on praying for that. To be impudent, to be bold in my prayers to God. Sometimes I pray these things more often than others. But this parable of a man knocking at his friend's door, it gives me a picture of what it looks like to keep on knocking, to keep praying and asking God that he would answer my prayers, to keep going boldly before him and keep on. I know some of you have things that that you've been praying for for a long time, and I've been praying those things with you. And I want to encourage you, keep on praying. Keep being bold in your prayers, asking God to answer those. I don't know if, if there's anything for anybody else that, that you have that, that you need to pray. But is there? Is there something that you've been praying for a long time that you just need a little more encouragement to keep on praying for that? It's easy to get discouraged, to stop praying for things. But Jesus is showing us here, keep knocking, keep praying, keep asking God for what it is that we're requesting for him. There might be a a prayer that you're a little scared to pray because you think it's so impossible to to happen that you're, you're a little scared. But here Jesus is encouraging us, pray with boldness. Look at this next part of Luke. Jesus continues to encourage us. Luke 11, 9 through 10 says, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. 
and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus is emphasizing the parable he just told. He's, he's spelling it out for us a little more. He's urging his followers to persevere in prayer. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. With earnestness, we need to ask God for what it is that we desire for him to do in our lives, to do around us, to his will to be done. We need to seek, and you will find. With diligence, we seek what it is that we are asking. Then we need to knock, and it will be open to you. With perseverance, we keep knocking and presenting our requests to God. These are promises that God is giving us here. Ask and you, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Now there is something implied here. And the implication is that we are asking for things that are, are consistent for God to grant us our prayers. That we are praying in line with the model that we looked at earlier. When it says for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. It does not mean that we're going to get everything that we pray for or everything that we desire to pray for. Remember, we're praying that God's will will be done, not our own. God does not always give us exactly what we're praying for. But he does give us what's right and what's best for us. He is our father. And just like our earthly parents don't give their children exactly what they're giving, what they're asking for, because it might not be good for them. God knows what is best for us, and he will give us what is best rather than exactly what we're praying for. Here's an example of, of this from my own life. Um, back to my back surgery 15 years ago. I was 17, and I was praying that God would, would heal me completely because I didn't want to have back surgery um, at 17, I, I would go to the doctor and I went to two or three different doctors and they'd tell me, yeah, you're 17, but you have the back of a 70 year old and you, you're going to need to have the surgery. So I thought it's got to be God's will to miraculously heal me. And then I can tell that story for the rest of, of the time um, and give him glory through it. And I kept praying for God to heal me, God to heal me, but he, he didn't. He didn't heal me. He chose to heal me through the surgeon, through the surgery. That wasn't exactly what I was praying, but he answered my prayer through the surgery, through through healing me that way. And so God is not necessarily going to give us exactly what we are praying for, but he will give us what's best. And I've seen through the surgery how God worked with me, helped me become more diligent. I had to go through 10 months of physical therapy, and things just aren't as easy as they used to be because of my back. So he, he's, he didn't give me exactly what I was praying for, but it was what was best for me. And here is why we can trust in God giving us the best. Jesus teaches his followers to pray by pointing them to the Father. Luke 11, 11 through 13 says, What father among you, if he has sons, if he had, sorry, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, 
will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is saying, who is better to give good gifts than God our Father? If man, who he he calls evil, now he's not saying man is purely evil, but in comparison to God, we've all turned away from, from, from God. And even though we've turned away, we've done wrong, we've gone our own way, we can still know how to give good gifts to our kids. God answers our prayers with what's best for us. We see that in Luke. But we also see it in other parts of the Bible. Romans 8:28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It might not be what we want, but God's going to be there. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to help us to get through whatever it is that comes. And it's through these promises that are made that we find in Luke, we find in Romans, we find in Isaiah. It's through these that we can see what God's communicating to us through this passage of Scripture. He says, what he's saying is to continually ask, seek, knock, and trust in the Father with the outcome. Let's go back to the model prayer that we looked at earlier. Is there a part of of this model that you, that you want to start to pray more this week. Father, hallowed be your name. Maybe you need to spend some time praising God for who he is. Your kingdom come. Maybe you need to spend some time praying that God's will would be done in your life instead of focusing so much on, on what I want to see happen. Or give us each day our daily bread. Is there some sort of a provision that you need to ask God for? And forgive us our sins. Is there something you need to ask God for forgiveness? For we ourselves forgive everyone who is intended to us. Is there something you need to forgive somebody for? And lead us not into temptation. There's something you need to ask God. God, help me to follow you. Help me not to fall into temptation in this way. Now, you might be out there and, and you're thinking, this, this is all great. You know, prayer, that, that's great and all, but I, I don't know if I can trust God in that way yet. And if that's where you are, if that's where you are this morning, I just want to give you one simple prayer that you can pray. Pray, God, please reveal yourself to me. God, if, if you're real, please reveal yourself to me. He will. He will reveal himself. To you. And as you pray that, he will continually show himself to you. So as I wrap up the message this morning, I want to encourage you to, to take some next steps this week. Each week we talk about next steps. They're on um, your handout uh, that's in your program. They're also on the back of the connection card that Brad asked you to, to fill out. But here's some suggested next steps that you might want to take in response to the message today. The first is, 
pray and ask God to reveal himself to me. Maybe that's, that's your next step today. Another next step is to pray using the model Jesus gave us three times this week. So try to break down the different components that Jesus has, has given us and use that model three times this week to pray through different things. And then the last next step is to pray boldly for fill in the blank. Maybe there, there's something that, that you've realized that you need to go boldly before God and ask for. Write it down. Commit to pray for it this week. And one thing that I want to say too is if you write it down on the connection card, I'll pray, I'll pray with you for that. I will pray with you this week for that. Let us be bold like the man knocking at his friend's door at midnight. Let that picture give you courage to keep praying and asking God to fulfill his will in your life. Would you pray with me? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Amen.